listen closely to the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down. This is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Recently, the newest fad, cultural fad, has hit our world in a very different way. And this fad is called cancel culture. Cancel culture is when you don't agree with somebody and what they said or did, you cancel them. You shout them out. You say boycott them. If you feel it's wrong, cancel it. Doesn't fit your idea, cancel it. Cancel them, cancel it, cancel everything. Cancel culture is one of the most influential and yet complicated parts of our culture and world today. The trend has hit where in recent years people's lives have been absolutely decimated. Some rightfully so in the sense of you said something that was not right, you know, you got to be held responsible for what you say. Most of us would agree with that. Some argue that it's too harsh. Some say that they don't have any real consequences. There are, you know, keyboard trolls out there that will say whatever they have to say behind the keyboard, but never say it to your face. And my rule of thumb is if you can't say it to someone's face, don't say it online. And while there are things that I personally feel can be way over the top, Paw Patrol. I think we need to understand that there are some things as believers that we have to understand and that in our lives, there are certain things that have to be canceled. So this morning, I want to bring a message entitled, Cancel Unholy Culture. Cancel Unholy Culture. Because I don't think that anything that supersedes the Word of God in our life should have any domain in our home, in our lives, in our hearts. Most of us would agree, right? If it's not found in Scripture, what is it holding and how much space is it holding in your heart? Cancel unholy culture. The Word of God is our priority, yes? Most of us would agree the Word of God is our priority. And by definition, cancel culture is a boycott of something that doesn't fall in line. And friends, I'm here to tell you that there are some things happening in our world today that don't fall in line. Therefore, we have to call it out. And it doesn't mean that you get to shout everybody else out. It just means you need to look into your own life and cancel the unholy culture that is surrounding you today. I'm telling you, I submit to you today, those of you that call yourself believers, we need to cancel the unholy culture in our hearts. There's a problem. Truthfully, we have a bravery deficit in America today. I know we have other deficits. 
I know we have other issues and other deficits, but we have a bravery deficit in America today. And it's happening among believers, and it's happening in our church. Like it, love it, or leave it. It's happening. We have, a, we have to realize that we look to the Word of God as our hope of intentional faith. Your faith has to be intentional. I've said it time and time again. If you don't live for, the, for God intentionally, you will live for the enemy accidentally. Our faith should be different, friends. Our lives should be different. If the only difference between you and your coworker is that you get up early on Sunday and come here, and that's the only difference, you're doing something way wrong. We are different. If someone told you you're different once upon a time, I would have been told that I've been I've been told I was different a lot in my life. Some of you just got that. But our faith has to be different. The way we live our lives and how we make our decisions, it has to be different. I'm really, really exhausted by how believers lean on their own understanding over the understanding of our Savior and our God. They lean on their own understanding instead of our Savior. Listen, if you don't have principles when they matter, what's the use of having them? If you don't have principles, morals, and a faith that rises, what's the use of having faith if when it comes to be challenged, you disappear? God has been stirring his bride, the church, to decide. To make something out of nothing and to be different with a different set of values, with a different culture, a holy culture, not the unholy one that many in our churches hold dear. Listen, your faith has a firm foundation in the word of God. And I want to tell you what we must restore to factory settings back to our God. Do you understand what I mean by factory settings? You ever had your computer crash? Some of you ever had your phone crash? And you're glad that the information's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. They don't tell you which cloud. My cloud, your cloud, our cloud. Information's up there in a the cloud. Mommy, daddy, where's the information? In a cloud. Where'd you get that? From a cloud. You laugh, but there was a culture that was fed by a cloud. There was a, there was a people that were led by the cloud. We need to restore the factory settings and follow the cloud. I know when my phone crashes or something goes wrong, I back up all my stuff to the cloud. I back it up to the cloud, and I sometimes have to reset my phone and then when I have it lined up right to factory settings I then download what is supposed to be there I'm telling you right now God is looking for a bride that says I will follow the cloud and be different I will download what is appropriate I will download the principles from the Word of God and I'll restore to my first love because 
We all need a reset. Come on, somebody. Tap your neighbor right now. Tell them you need a reset. Tell your neighbor. I don't care how far they are. Tell them right now. Come on. You need a reset. Some of y'all said that with conviction. Like, somebody's offended in this room. Like, no, you need a reset. Don't get, a f- don't get offended. Everybody needs a reset. Come on, somebody. I preach. I preach shorter when you agree with me. I'm telling you right now. Y'all better get with it. We will be here till four. I have a lot of preaching me today. Don't, don't, don't. Don't egg me on, because I will. Why? Because I believe that we are a culture that's supposed to be different. We're a culture that's supposed to stand up and say, I respect your decision, but it doesn't have to be mine. I respect your belief, but it doesn't have to be something I subscribe to. I am not going to be defined by somebody else's culture, especially if it's unholy. Cancel that culture, that unholy culture that takes over your heart and says things about other people that you wouldn't say to their face. Cancel that unholy culture in your heart that despises the word of God. Cancel the unholy culture that embraces embraces pride and prejudice. Embrace the culture of the world and you will have everything I give to you. No, that's the lie of the enemy. God says embrace my word and watch me expose the darkness. Some people want to expose the darkness but they don't want to stay anywhere near light. Friend, you can't have them both. You can't expose darkness and not embrace the light. The word of God is a light. So define unholy culture for a moment. Well, that which is an unholy culture is self-driven. How many know that you've called yourself, you've caused yourself a lot of pain and turmoil because you followed yourself? Anybody ever followed yourself into a hole? That's the blind leading the blind. Come on, somebody. The word of God is very clear about the blind leading the blind. You ever followed yourself and you said, I messed that one up because I'm self-driven. You ain't spirit-driven. Maybe you're prideful. You're too afraid to tell somebody I did something wrong. You're too afraid to embrace the goodness of God so you decide Let me embrace the goodness within me. Self-help books are great to a point. When you can't help yourself anymore, then what? Let's look at the book that we're walking through in this series, 1 Peter, together. Turn there to 1 Peter with me. Let's look at the book that we're walking through in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the tail end of that chapter, and we're going to talk about a few things. 1 Peter 1, we're going to look at 13 for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And I want you to follow along with me. And it reads like this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. I like it already. Be self-controlled. Because you know that only self you're supposed to be involved with is self-control? The only control you're supposed to have is self-control? We want control. We want to be able to know exactly what God wants to do with us all the time. 
We want control, control, control. Anybody ever met a control freak that like, how do you even breathe the same air that I breathe? Because you want to control everything. Anybody know somebody like that? Don't point at your spouse. Just, just acknowledge the question. The only control God has ever called you to have is self-control. So let me continue before I get in trouble. It goes on to say, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. We see that Jesus Christ is revealed when you set your hope on him. Listen, there's some people that said, I haven't seen God. I have to see him to believe him. The word of God is very different. The word of God says, believe him, then you will see him. You want to write that down? You want to tweet it? Because some of y'all need to hear this and hear it strongly. Many people want to see God, then believe him and follow him. The word of God is very clear. Look at me. It's believe him, then you will see him. You will see him fully. He will be, quote, revealed. The last word on verse 13, he will be revealed. Verse 14, as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had before you lived in ignorance. Before you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy for I am holy. Let's look at the first thought. It's simply this. We have to set our hope on him. Write that down if you're taking notes. Set your hope. That's found in verse 13, and so what we need to do in order to set a focus on him, we need to set our hope on him. Why? Because many people look at verse 13, and they don't see how disciplined verse 13 is, and that plays a part in finding hope in him. Set your hope on him. See, wrong priorities hinder your life. Wrong people hinder your life. Wrong perspective hinders your life. The three P's of 1 Peter right here in chapter 1. Wrong priorities, wrong people, wrong perspective. You want to talk about tripping yourself up? Get these three wrong in your life. Get the wrong priorities in your life, get the wrong people in your life, get the wrong perspective, and you will see your life flip upside down and then what happens is God why did you leave me why did you forsake me no you made your priorities very clear you made the wrong people speak into your life how many know we we can have the wrong people speak into our life you ever had the right people speak into your life for a time and then the wrong person comes along and you can spot them right away that's why that's why the counterfeit division in the United States, the federal department has a counterfeit department for money. You know what they study? They don't study fake ones because fake ones are a dime a dozen. They keep coming up. You know what they do? They study the real one, the real currency. They know exactly what the real looks like. They know what the real $100 bill looks like, the real 50, the real 20, the real five, and the real ones. They know what they look like. They authenticate it by knowing the authenticity of the document that they're looking at. They, they feel the paper. They know every logo, everything about that currency. 
because they have to know what's real so they can spot the fake. Friend, some of you need to understand what is real. And you don't hang around God long enough because you want a microwave Christianity. And if you're going to be different and you want things not to hinder your life, you have to dissect and understand what is authentic in your life. Is this helping anybody? You see, because the wrong priorities, the wrong people, and the wrong perspective bring us to a place where we look at verse 14, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. There was a day that you did not know him. For those of you that are believers, for those of you that may be watching online, listening online, maybe you're listening right now live, and you're here, and you're saying, you know what, I, I, I don't know if I can trust God. There's a lot of things you trust that you don't see. Why don't you give this one a shot? It hits its eternities in the balance. Friends, if I get this thing wrong, let's say there comes a point where I die and everything that I believed in isn't true. I died a better person because I cared for others more than I cared for myself. But if I'm right and you're wrong, friend of God, you have everything to lose. Give God a legit shot today. Give him a chance to speak into your life. I'm talking to you right now. Now listen, the New Living Translation talks something very neat. In verse 14 it says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. We understand that in order to live different, we have to live holy. Everybody say holy. Holy is the word hagios in the Greek, meaning holy or set apart, different, and pure. Can you say that your life is set apart, different, and pure? If you can't, you're in the right place because we're going to help you try. We're going to help set a tone for your life beginning today because God has called you to be different. His love for you is different. Did you know that? His grace abounds and it's different than the grace that the world offers. The world will offer you temporary grace and when it's run out, drop the hammer. God's grace is so, so good. Amen? Ignorance in verse 14 is a lack of awareness concerning the things of God. When it's talking about ignorance, it's talking about the unaware mindset of the things of God. There's some that walk with Jesus that have been walking with Jesus for so long that you're, but you're still ignorant. Follow me now. Look at me. You're ignorant to the ways of God because you're ignorant to the word of God. The word will lead us to the ways. A lot of people think if I can just do enough, I will learn how the word of God works. No, it's the reverse. You have to get the word of God in you and let that affect your ways. How many know what I'm talking about? So we look at 1 Peter and we realize that God is inviting all, us all to be part of the new family centered around Christ Jesus. See, I, I, a lot of times in American churches today, our, our Christianity is centered around the church or a thought, even a man. I would hope that nine years later, freedom life is not surrounded around a man like myself or anybody else that will go after me, but that your faith is surrounded about the man, 
that died for you. It's surrounded around Jesus. Everything that we do. If it doesn't honor God, we have to question it. If it doesn't bring glory to God, we have to question it. Peter, who walked with Jesus, was offering a different hope when he writes here. He says, we have to be a people who set our hope on him. You with me? So follow along. Okay. Live out your time is the second thought here. Live out your time. Since, let's look at verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work, you see that? Impartially live out your time as foreigners here in reverence. We look at this because we realize that we have to stop for a moment. Since you called on the Father who judges you impartially, did you know that he, he judges you impartially? He doesn't judge you like he judges everybody else. He judges you in understanding that you are not part of this world. You're part of his culture. The problem with our world today is that a lot of people think that somehow God is looking at man and he's saying, hey, do the best with what you got. He's not. He's saying, hey, you are my people judged by my standards. Stop thinking you're anything like this world. And we realize that in him we live and move and have our being. As a believer, we have to understand that eternity is our line of sight. Eternity is our line of sight. Who's with me? Let's look at verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Did you guys hear that? It's the blood of Jesus that bought you this time and understanding. We don't live ourselves out in fear. We live it in reverent fear. How many know there's a difference? We don't live in fear. God never called you to live in fear. He called you to live in reverent fear. What's the difference? The difference is it's a respect for God in the way that we can never, ever duplicate for the world. There's a reverence for God and his word. For we know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty. In other words, you weren't bought with gold. You were bought with the life of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus we look at the precious blood of Jesus and that allows us as believers to live our time on earth with authority did you know that the blood of Jesus gives you authority over your life the blood of Jesus gives you authority is anybody with me come on somebody you with me you following because the, the the blood of Jesus gives you authority at work students look at me the blood of Jesus gives you authority in school Mom, dad, whoever you are, the blood of Jesus gives you authority at work. College student, listen to me. The blood of Jesus gives you authority at school. Let's look at verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. For through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. Who's him? 
Jesus. And so your faith and hope are in God. They're in God today. Amen. Let's look at this for a moment again. Let's understand what is happening around us here today. First Peter, and I read a little bit of this to you. Verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Did you know that Jesus was revealed for your sake? Did you know that he didn't have to be revealed for his sake? That he has and owns and is all things without you? But he was revealed for our sake. And so we realize that in this culture today that we're living, that the, the, the current culture wants to cancel anything that disagrees with it. And I'm telling you that we can get on that board, except if it disagrees with the word of God, we can cancel it in our lives. If it doesn't fall in line with God, we can cancel it. How do we do that? And why do we do that? Because we're foreigners. We don't belong to this world. We're not part of this army of people that want to embrace this culture today. Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, this culture will come and go, and there'll be another culture that will rise up right behind it. Something else will come up. You cannot affect the culture around you when God's kingdom culture in you is, the, is non-existent. If the kingdom culture is not within you, the current culture will not be affected by you. Well, Pastor Tony, I, I feel like I'm ineffective. I feel like I'm not able to minister to my friends. Then I have to go right to the source. Then where's the kingdom in your life? Where's the kingdom fit in your choice of music and movies? Oh, Pastor Tony, don't. Just talk about my spiritual life. Just don't talk about real life. This stuff is lived out in the flesh. My goodness. Everything you do affects your faith in one way or another. Stop lying to yourself. In order to be different, you have to live differently. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about what the scripture talks about when it says, since he called you and we call upon the father who judges each person's work impartially. Everything you do, he's judging it. Everything you follow, he's saying, are you following the right thing? Now, a lot of people don't like Christianity because it affects what they do, how they think, and what they say. And I'm here to tell you, I need fixing on all of that. That's how come I'm okay with Christianity, affecting what I say, what I do, and how I react. So we learned a couple of things here today. We learned one is that we just have to set our hope. Somebody say, set your hope. The other one is, live out your time. And the third one is, love one another. Oh, then, Pastor Tony, you done did it now. I got to love people. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You have to love people. You don't have to like them. There's some people I love, but I got to love them in tiny spoonfuls. Are you hearing me? Some people I can love in buckets, man. Give me some more. Let's hang out. Let's, other people just give me a spoonful. I love this, every bit of this spoon. Y'all laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't be shouting me out like I'm the only person. 
Because you know what I'm talking about. I love you. I just don't like you. Because we're called to love. You know what? God, God may have put them in your life just to give you a little bit of patience, though, I'll tell you. And y'all failing sometimes. I know, I know, me too, me too. But that's what makes us different. The world cuts you and it spits you out. It cuts you and throws you out. God says, I receive you just as you are. But if you come to me and you know me, look at me. Because I'm bringing this into a capsule for you. Are you ready? If you call me Lord, if you call me Savior... You cannot live in this culture and be of it. You have to cancel unholy culture. You have to cancel unholy habits. You have to cancel the things that don't follow God, and that means we have to love one another. Let's look at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for one another, love one another what? deeply from the flesh in the flesh no from the heart there are some people that I may not agree with I may not like but if they're in a situation it is my job to love that person and help them as best I can for you have been born again he, t- he explains why Peter goes right into it next verse why do I have to love people that are just absolutely driving me insane oh why do I have to love people in general he tells ex- he tells you exactly why because Peter knows Peter was a hothead he spoke first and then thought about it later anybody know somebody like that no pointing fingers thought first and, and then, you know what I mean? And then execute was not Peter's specialty. Peter's specialty was do first and then say, oh, oh well, I probably should have thought that through. But he then explains it very simply. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And I read this earlier and I'll read it again. All people are like grass. What does that mean? We'll come and we'll go, right? Verse 25 is very clear. But the word of the Lord endures forever. So that's why we can love one another. Because we love with his love that endures forever. Not our love that's fleeting. You ever love the show and then something happened on the show? You're like, I don't love the show no more. You ever had... You ever had a food, a type of food, and then you went to have that food again, and they made it differently, and you're like, I don't like that food, and I don't like that, that dish anymore. Raise your hand. Come on. I'm talking practical here. You ever went to a restaurant, and it was really good, really good, really good, really good, same dish every time, because you cannot break your habits? Anybody like that? I'm like that. I, I admit it. If it works, why change it? Some of y'all go to a, a restaurant, and you try something new every time. I, I'm not that risky sometimes. It was delicious last time. I want delicious now. Just like last time. And I have it every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. And then one time, that one time, I was real hungry. What the mess did you just bring me? This is horrible. 
Anybody ever been in that situation? And then you're in a conundrum. You're like, do I eat it anyway? Do I tell the waitress? They know I'm a Christian because I, I said, God bless you earlier. Someone sneezed. I don't know. What do I do here? I'm saying, listen, you're like, Pastor Tony, where in the world did you just come up with all this? I'm saying that this world is temporary and there's something that will come and something that will go, but the word of God is forever the same. Quicker, faster, more powerful, and sharper than any double-edged sword. So what am I saying? Let's look at verse 22 for just a second. Now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, love one another deeply. So what am I talking about? Current culture versus kingdom culture. And I'm going to kind of, let's, let's look at this for a moment because this is important. You need to see this. Current culture teaches us love what benefits you back. Kingdom culture teaches love what benefits others. Are you with me? Current culture versus kingdom culture. Current culture is perishable. Current culture says it will come and it will go. Look at me. Kingdom culture is imperishable. It is forever. And there is a distinct difference between current culture and kingdom culture. The word of God endures forever. The word of God is what separates current culture from kingdom culture. It defines for us what we live for. Living for God will cause you friendships. Living for God will cause you changing of your attitude, actions, and reactions. Living with the kingdom culture in mind will put you at a place that happiness is not as important as obedience. This would make me happy, but this would make me obedient. I need, I'm just, I'm pausing deliberately because you need to hear that. God is not as concerned with your happiness as he is your obedience. Does, he, does that mean that he doesn't care about your happiness or that he doesn't care for you to be happy? That's not what I'm saying. And if you read that, you read it wrong. Hear me again. He's more concerned with your obedience than he is your happiness. Does, he, does that mean he doesn't want you to be happy? That's not what that means. I'm saying that if you walk in obedience, you'll realize that that happiness is a great thing to exchange for joy. Because there's a joy that comes in kingdom culture that current culture will never Look at me. Never, ever be able to duplicate. Current culture is temporary. It's perishable. Kingdom culture is in, in, uh, it's not just um, imperishable. It is something that will never, ever, ever fade. So when is it time to put my happiness above my obedience? When whenever I'm thinking of doing something opposes this. I may think for a moment that that's better, but God sees differently. So in God's grace, we understand that sometimes you have to say no to ungodliness in our culture today. Would you agree? Cancel 
unholy culture. So let me talk about this for a moment because I want to talk about what kingdom culture says. Listen closely because I have seven quick thoughts I want to share with you in this. And here it is. Are you ready? Kingdom culture thinks I need to focus on God's grace over I need to focus on stopping my sin. Hear me. Kingdom culture thinks I need to focus on God's grace, not just stopping my sin. It's a changing of priorities and focus. Kingdom culture says this, I need help from God's people over I can do it alone. Did you hear that? Kingdom culture thinks I need help from God's people. Are you hearing me? Look at me right here. Kingdom culture says I need help from somebody else in this room. I need help from my church. I need help from somebody that may understand this being better than me because I don't. Kingdom culture thinks I need to please God over I need to be, feel better about myself. Again, hear me. It's one over the other. It's not that you don't do both. You can feel good about yourself. You can feel good about what God is doing. But more importantly, what's more important, that you feel better or that you are better? And that's the distinct difference. The distinct difference is the kingdom culture is thinking beyond this world. We're different. We're different. We're not like the world. Stop thinking like it. Being different means I need to expose my sin instead of I need to hide it. That's the fourth one. I'm, I'll, I'll list these out on Facebook later. I know it's a lot. The fifth one is simply this. Kingdom culture thinks I'm going to put my sin to death instead of I'll try to stay away from it. I'll try. You know what's the best thing? I, I talk to people. People that maybe haven't been to church in a while or a church or our church or any church. Listen, if you don't want to attend Freedom Life Church but you still want to go to church, there are other churches. Just go there. Go somewhere. Just let us know so we don't bother you. <laughs> what drives me batty is when people say, Oh, pastor, I'll try. There was a very wise man by the name of Yoda that once, Don't try, do. It's a direct quote, by the way. Try not. Do. Stop trying. You know what try means? I want to tell you yes, but I don't want to be held accountable. I'll try. I'll try. No, I understand if there's a, a direct thing that may be stopping you. If you have to work on Sundays, and I get that. I'm not trying to judge you. But there are some people that just... I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. But they never do it. Because they don't want to cancel unholy culture because unholy culture feels natural to an unholy body. Unholy flesh. Come on, I'm stepping on toes. It's okay. We're ending soon. Kingdom culture thinks life in the spirit over life in the flesh. You need to cancel 
the sin culture. Cancel and put to death the flesh because the word of God is the only thing that keeps us alive. And lastly, kingdom culture thinks prayer is vital, not prayer is optional. Listen, I get it. You're tired, you're busy. But if, if prayer doesn't become a priority for you, you're going to have a hard time walking this faith. I'm telling you right now, for the month of October, we're going to be praying in this building, in this room, every Wednesday night, from 7 to 8, in this room, for our church, our local leadership, our election, and we're going to baptize everything we do in prayer for the entire month of October, every Wednesday night from 7 to 8 here in this room make prayer a priority if you're not somewhere else make make as many of those as you can because we're going to have a warfare prayer time in here it's informal at some most of it but there's going to be formal moments and we're going to pray for the entire month of october every wednesday night from seven to eight and we're going to set aside time why because kingdom culture thinks prayer is vital and we're setting that up. So what are some of the most obvious ways that you could change? Well, only you can answer that. There are professing Christians who live such ungodly lives that they hear the word, that they, 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 they don't think that the words, I never knew you, depart from me, ye who work iniquity, applies to them. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 talks, declares very simply that there'll be a people that will stand before God and God will say, I never knew you and these are the people that did things for God cast out devils done many wonderful things but God says I never knew you can I tell you something really quickly this thing this thing just blew me up this week as I was preparing man is first served by hands God is first served by hearts if you want to be different the first thing you want to do to serve you serve man with your hands. That's why he said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you give it unto me. Right? What does that mean? That means if I serve man with that cup, I'm serving them physically. That's how I show my love and God can work in that. I serve man with my hands, but I serve God with my heart first. That's why he says, you can do all these things with your hands, but I never knew you. Let that sink in for a moment. We serve man with our hands. We serve God with our heart. God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Acts 17, 25. Did you hear that? Write it down. Acts 17, 25. Read it yourself. Look in your Bible. It is God declaring that he is not served by human hands. God is served by hearts committed to him. We must cancel unholy culture. Let's not let unholy culture live in our churches today. Amen? Let's not let unholy culture happen. And so what I want to do here is I want to take the opportunity here this morning. I want to I take the opportunity and trust God for whatever it is he wants to do in your life today. Amen? And so we realize that in this place, 
we come to a place where we want to trust him. And so as we trust him, I invite you to stand right where you're at today. Stand right where you're at today, right now. Come on. I want you to ask yourself today, is he the one that you serve? Are you just looking for God to make you feel better? I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. We either serve because of the goodness of God or we serve ourselves for the goosebumps of God. (laughs) We can serve God because of the goodness of God or we can serve ourselves because of the goosebumps of God. And we're going to sing the song in just a moment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize I don't build my life on anything else but your word. It's your word that makes me different. It's your word that makes me holy. It's Christ's death that has allowed you to be forgiven. How many agree with that statement right now? It's Christ's death that makes you forgiven. Yes? Amen? How many excited for that truth? How many excited for that truth? Come on, come on. Who's excited about that truth? You hear that? So I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, my brother Kurt's going to lead us in a song. And I'm going to invite you to come right around this altar and take a few moments and just worship with him and worship with me and worship with this team as we realize that we need to cancel the unholy culture that is within us, not just around us. Listen, you can't cancel unholy culture out there and not cancel it in here first. It has to start here. Come on, somebody. It has to start here. So let's do that together. Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name. Come on, with hands lifted up all around this room. Father, I'm asking you for every person at the sound of my voice at home, for someone on their tablet, their phone. Father, somebody listening online, someone live in this room. Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, would you cancel the unholy culture that often seeps its way, leaks its way, works its way into our lives. We ask you in Jesus' name. Build upon your life in your word. That we may read your word and say, I want to build my life on this, your word. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said. Come on, I invite you to step out of your seat. Come join us at the altar right now. Come on, I dare you right now to step out of your seat and say, God, I declare this day a day where I build my life upon your word. Come on.